employers really have to figure out how do we leverage learning and development and um, people analytics and other methods from a culture building perspective to keep people here. And I don't really think that we have seen models yet that really have figured that out. Welcome to the Vitalize Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the Director of Marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. On today's episode, we have Gail Wilkinson, who is the General Partner here at Vitalize, talking all about the work revolution, where we're investing at Vitalize Venture Capital. Let's dive in. Gail, welcome to the show. Hello, Justin. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're back again, this time talking about the work revolution, what we're investing in in Vitalize. For people who aren't familiar, what is the work revolution? How are you defining this, Gail? Yes. We define work revolution as people first, data-driven, really big ideas that transform the future of work. So think mostly B2B software within future of work. These are game-changing ideas that are um, truly transformative. For this as well, why that focus for us at Vitalize? There's so many different areas, obviously, of focus that uh, different investors have. It can be more generalist and more broad. We're obviously narrowing down to the work revolution. Why this for Vitalize, though? Yeah, so we've been focusing on future of work for the last 18 months or so, and um, it's been great. We've gotten way more qualified deal flow in. It's easier for both founders to find us, for co-investors to send us deals. But I've also noticed that there's some confusion about what exactly is future of work. Is it a feature? Is it an app? Is it a tool? Is it just for collaboration? Is it about hiring? Is it HR tech? And so we we took a step back and looked at what we want to invest in. And the best, the best term that we came up with was work revolution to really define those category changing companies. It was a fun process for us too, going through that, trying to figure out what is it actually that to, to codify what it is we invest in, uh, what, a, what a time that was. And to that point, I know there's a matter of a few different themes we have at Vitalize for the work revolution. Can you just go through kind of what those different themes are in terms of the different buckets of companies kind of we look at within the work revolution too? Yep. So we're looking at next-gen hiring solutions. We're looking at the freelance economy and the infrastructure that powers that. Uh, we're looking at new and better learning models. We're looking at employee engagement and analytics solutions. And then a, a catch-all bucket that's really important. It's um, this data-driven way of creating way more efficiency and productivity within companies. I know we get a lot of questions around that from founders. are always it's nice when they want to work with us. It's sometimes difficult. Obviously, we can't invest in all these different companies. But with that, maybe going through just a company or two in each of those buckets might be helpful. Maybe starting with the next-gen hiring solutions for, so other founders have an idea of what that even means when we say these things. I know it would be helpful for clarifying and also for Anand as he's going through some of these deals too on our team as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that only 15% of companies are good at hiring and a lot of VCs won't touch the hiring landscape because they're like, oh, it's a fragmented market or LinkedIn or Indeed are the, the major players. And so we don't want to look at, at solutions here. But from our perspective, this is a broken industry and it's a huge industry. And so we look at tons of hiring solutions. One that we invested in out of our last fund was the Mom Project. So this is a solution for um, especially moms, but really anybody returning from um, leave to come back in part-time capacity. And that company has done very well. Um, we were actually just closed yesterday on an end-to-end -end hiring solution within our, our second fund that will be announced really soon here. Um, when we think about the freelance economy, we also know that the percentage of freelancers are way, way up. 
So right now, about a third of people in the U.S. are doing some form of freelance work. Uh, one of the freelance companies that we did out of Fund One was WeCare. So this is a, a company that helps um, to connect mom and pop freelance type daycares with um, anybody who needs childcare. So it's a really cool model that um, is, is doing very well. Um, we also just invested in a company called WorkMade out of Fund Two. So this is a freelance infrastructure. Um, it helps really just um, individuals do their taxes and make sure they're staying on top of things. When we go into new and better learning models, one of our, our favorite uh, learning companies from Fund One is Toucan. So this is a really fun way of learning a new language, um, and they have great things in, in the pipeline in terms of helping people to learn where they are already browsing on the internet. So definitely check that one, one out if you haven't already. Um, on the people analytics and engagement side, um, we've got a couple, but one I will highlight is called All Voices. So All Voices is a solution that allows employees to give feedback to their employers about a lot of different topics. So they're getting really rich data and making sure that they're, they're keeping a pulse on their employees from a retention perspective, which is a huge topic right now for leaders um, within HR. And then finally, that kind of catch-all bucket in terms of data-driven, there's a lot we could walk through here. Um <laughs> We'll talk about Zingtree. So Zingtree is a really cool solution for businesses that have um, especially customer service functions that need help to more efficiently service those clients. Um, so think if, if, you're, if you are buying a mattress and you've got a question about it, you can call Zingtree and they have a decision tree solution that will um, you know, make your time spent with that customer service rep a lot faster and more efficient. Um, and in fact, it saves up to 60% of time for customer service teams. So those are the, the types of things that we um, were looking for within Vitalize. One of the things I want to go back to is the, the next-gen hiring solution. We see a lot of, this is obviously one of the most the biggest problems for startups. Hiring is always an issue they're trying to kind of overcome. With that, you mentioned the mom project, that kind of verticalized in some ways uh, hiring platform. Have you seen any others that you're excited about or do you other other verticals you think will be interesting within these kind of different hiring platforms? Because I see a lot of companies too, even on Twitter in different verticals. I'm always curious just from your perspective, what you've seen or what you're interested in. Yeah, we've we've looked at a number of them. IT, gaming, um, we're talking to one now that's focused just on the service economy. So I do, I do think that um, we're moving to a more verticalized approach and a more data-driven approach to hiring. So we're seeing a lot of solutions trying to figure this problem out. Once again, it's still very broken. Um, the question that you have to ask with verticalized solutions is, what is the total addressable market, and is it a big enough um, is it a big enough play for the stage at which we invest to make the returns that we need? Um, and do we think that that founder and that model will be able to to gain a lot of share? Yeah, there are so many different areas. You mentioned gaming. Gaming has obviously grown a lot over time. We've kind of seen that too, and just going to be. Even within all, all verticals, verticals you see on Twitter, because you see different companies all the time, you're like, oh, that, that could be potentially a vertical with this in this space. And you see so many different ones and the new platforms are popping up constantly or doing different ways of going about it. I know one was like a, a text-based way of like basically hiring, which is kind of different. I think that might have uh, shut down, but it was an interesting way to look at it. You look at a company like like Pallet, for instance, is doing all these different job boards. There's so many interesting companies that we've, we've seen within that. And all of that spanning back to like remote work, I want to talk about that and what your thoughts are around that? What have you seen around any trends around remote work? Where do you think this is kind of headed in that direction too? Yeah. So before the pandemic, less than 10% of people in the U.S. work from home. And earlier this year, Gallup did a poll about half of 
of all people in the U.S. were working from home at least part of the time, and two-thirds of knowledge workers were working from home at least part of the time. And when they asked in that survey if those people working from home at least part of the time wanted to keep working from home, 90% said, yes, we want to keep working from home at least part of the time. Um, and so a lot of the power shifted during the pandemic to the employee in that equation. Um, we do see a lot of companies right now trying to figure out, are they going back to work or not? Um, so a lot of big companies are mandating somewhere between two and five days in the office, and many of them are picking which days their employees need to be in. And um, I'm hearing a lot of different views on that. My personal opinion is that people don't want that level of company involvement in picking when they go in. I think a lot of people are open to going in once, twice, maybe three times a week, but they want to kind of pick and choose what that looks like for them. So I'm really curious to see what happens with the companies who are more regimented in terms of telling employees how they need to come back to the office. I do think there's going to be some attrition where um, employees really, they want that flexibility. Yeah. I'm wondering too, with that, what do you think around different generations? Because we have all generation who maybe had graduated, for instance, in 2020. This is two years later. They've been in this, this pandemic COVID times. They haven't even experienced in office. Nobody know what that is in the concept. How do you look at like the different generations and how maybe the differences there or anything you've seen around companies building for different generations, knowing that remote work is kind of different for different age groups potentially? I'm curious about that too. Yeah. I think the most successful companies are going to set themselves up for true optionality across all of their employees. So there, there are some people who want to go into the office and um, the companies who can create satellite offices in many, in many locations where there's, there's a great community of people coming in on a regular basis. That's going to be helpful for some of their employees. Uh, I think there, there's another set of employees that are maybe know, late twenties into early forties and they're starting families and they, that group really wants a lot of flexibility, um, versus maybe the, the early, earlier in their career, they want to go and, and meet people and go out after work. Um, and then, you know, later in career, I think it can be a mix. So they're the best companies once again are going to have all kinds of options, but that's expensive. So like, I, I feel for the employers, they're really trying to figure this out. Um, and there's going to be a lot of trial and error still this year and into next year as this this settles. One thing is too, with even us at Vitalize and thinking about hiring our first people who are not in this country, which is different. I know we have uh, some people in that regard as well. Like, What have you seen, at least from Vitalize companies or other companies you've talked with or even other VCs you've talked with about them hiring internationally, kind of broadening their 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 reach out from just their you know, area they're in because they can work remotely? Anything around that you've seen or trends you've seen along that too? Yeah. I think it is happening more, especially hiring contractors abroad. Um, we're actually hoping to find something to invest in that makes it a lot easier to manage that when you've got contractors all over the place. I think the infrastructure from a, um, a legal and regulatory perspective and a tax compliance perspective is still not really there, but um, it makes a lot of sense, especially companies that are embracing true flexibility, being able to find the best hire um, at the best price. And being able to cast that wide net, I think, is something we're going to see more and more. I always get the example. I forget exactly which company, but I know a company that I talked to on a different podcast where they they spoke, the founder spoke Spanish. Uh, he was uh, born in the United States, though. But they moved to South America because a lot of the talent there was much cheaper and they were able to hire more engineers that way and find this kind of arbitrage in hiring mm -hmm. by doing that. And they are thriving. And you see that. I wonder if we're going to see that in other places, too, people moving to other other locations, other countries, because they can pull it off. And especially in the early days, it seems like where 
obviously cash is, is, is uh, less in that point. If you haven't raised as much money, you're trying to make it go farther. We're probably going to see something with that too. We'll see how it kind of evolves. And to your point, if, they, if companies can make it easier to do that or not is going to be like the big question around it. One of the other things I'm curious about with the work revolution, you kind of mentioned the different buckets and everything, but what areas are you seeing kind of the greatest opportunity, the biggest opportunity within the work revolution for you know startups building in there? I'm, I'm curious about that too. In future work or, or what, what we're calling the work revolution, there's still so much inefficiency. So um, a lot of companies, the systems don't talk to each other and employees aren't um, being 100% productive and efficient with their time. So many things that we're looking at, um, you know, it's, it's leveraging data for supply chain to make it much easier for leaders within companies to understand what is working, what is not working, and how do we fix it automatically? So it's automating a lot of those workflows. And that's happening. It, it, there's still so much opportunity in that one area within a lot of verticals and from a lot of horizontal perspectives that that's, that's probably 50% plus of what we look at. Um, but we are seeing uh, a ton in the freelance space, and we're really bullish on this. There's, there's a lot popping up. And anytime you see a lot of bubbling up within an industry, um, that means that there's a real need there. So we're, we're definitely monitoring that. Like I said, we've already done one deal there and we'll continue to look. And then retention is the, the name of the game right now for companies. So it's so easy in this environment for employees to move um, that employers really have to figure out how do we leverage learning and development and um, people analytics and other methods from a culture building perspective to keep people here. And um, I don't think, I don't really think that we have seen models yet that really have figured that out. In terms of that, touching that last point with the upscale, rescale kind of learning development side of things, I guess I'm curious about what you would like to see, maybe what you've already seen that you think is doing a good job or doing it well, or also like just what you'd like to see within kind of this learning development space given that you see so many companies work with so many companies over the last number of years, anything in that space that you'd like to see? Yeah, it's, um, it's automating training. It's skills-based training. It's, it's becoming, um, it's becoming really smart about how to get the right content in front of the right employee. Cause I mean, back when I was in corporate 10 years ago, um, every person in the company was given the same training module and that's just not effective anymore. So, um, it, it's, it's part content and it's part automation and it's part platform. So there's, there's a lot of things that have to work really well to seamlessly provide the best experience to both the employer and the employee. So it's a really, really hard thing to do. Um, and some companies are still trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. And I've seen some too doing this kind of micro learning, almost like bite-sized, you know, two minute, three minute videos, even for their onboarding for employees as a way to have a better experience than just, Hey, like watch all these long videos to understand what we're doing. It's more like bite-sized, micro-sized things that you can consume over the course of time that kind of gets you up to date with everything that's going on. And I wonder if we'll kind of see that this more blending also of kind of media content, as you mentioned, within not only onboarding, but also to get people to the next level within their company and kind of promoting people within that have you know, shown that they obviously gel with the values of the company, have capabilities to do more or do other things and using this as a way to kind of bridge a gap in some ways uh, with whatever companies are missing. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what that looks like as too. And one thing with everything we kind of talked about already, there's obviously opportunities within uh, building companies and startups and the work revolution specifically. But for you, what do you think is overcrowded or that you just see so many of that 
you're not excited because there are companies that come to us and they're building the solution and we're like, yeah, we've seen like 30 of these in the last like couple of months. anything for that as well. I see a lot of benefits companies and uh, benefits are really, really important. But what we know are that HR buyers are just exhausted. There are so many different solutions and tools and features and systems that they have to keep up with that, you know, the next benefit play is just really hard for them. So um, we do look at those models and what we're really looking for are ones that streamline and, you know, reduce the number of things that an HR buyer has to pay attention to, or that HR leaders have to pay attention to, because, um, you know, at this point, this market has become so inundated with options that we're at the point where we really need, we really need those data-driven, really big game-changing solutions that can aggregate and simplify versus adding on one more thing. For us at Vitalize as well, because we do focus on the work revolution and this future of work, we have like advisory boards for our funds and stuff like that as well. Any other trends that you've seen or heard of or things that you're excited about or looking forward to within the work revolution moving forward yeah. as well? One thing we're, we're really interested in and, and watching for is mental, mental health within the workforce. So um, it's a hot topic for all leaders everywhere right now. How do we make sure that um, there's, there's mental well-being for all of our team? Um, I, we haven't made a bet in this space, but we likely will at some point this year. Um, we also, once again, that compliance piece, now that many companies are hiring across a lot of state lines and even overseas, Staying compliant is something that uh, we're looking at a lot of models there. And the last one I'll mention is on Web3. So within Work Revolution or Future of Work, um, about 10 to 20% of the deals that I see have some component of Web3. But um, we're really still in a Web2 world in terms of B2B software. And I don't think we're going to switch completely to Web3 for a long time. But um, we do like to see companies and founders at this early stage where we invest starting to think about how could web three become important in the future. So it's, it's fun to see um, kind of that shift that's been happening over the last year or so in that space. For you personally, I mean, what do you think in terms of web three and how this will tie into what we're looking at with the work revolution, uh, where work is kind of going, as you've kind of mentioned already with this going towards remote work and flexibility and optionality, just you personally, what do you think in terms of web three and how that kind of ties in potentially? The first two places we're going to see it in future of work and work revolution is in payments and in contracts. So those are easy. I think that's probably not a surprise to people. What what I what I wrestle with personally is the um, you know the decentralization aspect. I think that community is extremely important. Obviously, we have a community at Vitalize. I think that bringing a lot of people to the table and generating value through the group is really important. However. Um, empowering an entire group to govern themselves, I just don't think is realistic in most cases. There are some consumer applications where it's definitely going to work. Um, but on the business to business side, I still think you need to have some form of governance. Um, but I can see hybrid solutions prevailing where you're building communities that have some form of like a leadership team, but also more power going to the whole um, and more, you know, value going to the whole group. So I, I personally think we're going to settle in, especially on the business side long-term with hybrid solutions versus full-on Web3 decentralization. One of the last things I want to go through on that note is just, I know you tweeted a while back around business models you love <laughs> to invest in and love more broadly. I'm curious uh, with the work revolution, 
what business models you like to see within this. Uh, obviously, we're investing in B2B software, but there are companies who could have a direct-to-consumer component as well as B2B. Just take me through more of how you think about business models as we kind of wrap things up. Yeah, so I personally love um, B2B2C models, for example, because um, everything that we do has to have some component of, of B2B. But when you add in the B2C element, um, it can be really powerful from a business opportunity perspective. So Toucan is a great example. They sell direct-to-consumer. So you and I can go on their website right now and purchase their, their tool. But they also will partner and sell into businesses as they get further down the road. And, and that combination becomes very, very interesting. With that as well, a company like Toucan, seeing them and how they are going about that with a B2B, B2B2C essentially model. With, when a company comes to us at Vitalize, for instance, if they have, if they're already going kind of direct to consumer, do you want to just, they have to say, oh, our roadmap is B2B eventually? Like at what point is it something we'd invest in? Because I've definitely seen companies that are in future of work in some capacity, but are more of a direct to consumer model that I'm like, mm, not quite sure if that fits for us. Just how do you think about that, Gail? Look, I'll, I'll talk to any company in that fits within our parameters of work revolution. Um, if they have a, a B2C model today, but they are planning to go B2B, it could be something that's interesting to us. Um, another great example, WorkMade, you could call it B2B or B, B2C because they're selling to freelancers. And freelancers are, that. yes, if I have a <laughs> proprietorship, I technically have a business, but I'm also yeah. a consumer. So the, we see some things that kind of blur the lines and we have to be cognizant that not everything is going to fit into a specific bucket. What's most important about what we invest in in the work revolution is that these are people first, data-driven, really big ideas that transform what's being done today. So understanding the founder's vision about how they're going to really change the landscape, that's where we start to make sure it's a strike zone fit for us. Yeah. And one of the companies that's out recently, which is why I kind of bring this up as well, it's uh, you, so you mentioned mental health and that being a big uh, market moving forward. And this was definitely a, an app, consumer app, essentially direct to consumer helping Gen Z with their mental health. And so it's like that type of company. It's a mental health company, not a B2B component yet, but are they going to maybe? So it's like, do we talk to them? Let's say potentially. So I'm always curious about that. I know founders are always asking us on Twitter, or other places, like, what about this? What about this? So it's always kind of helpful to have more context as well. Yes. Just remember, we are not uh, B2C experts. We know enough to be dangerous, but we, we really dive into that B2B um, side. And, and so for founders out there thinking about working with us, if you know that's on your roadmap today or will be in the near term and you're in work revolution, then we could be a potential fit. Perfect. Gail, this was a lot of fun. Where's the best place for people to reach out to you if they'd like to? Yes. DM me on Twitter at GailForceVC. And if you're a founder looking to apply either to Vitalize Angels or our fund, you can uh, go on to Vitalize.bc and we've got an Airtable form you can fill out and our team does go through all of those. Perfect. Gail, thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. And guys, listen to Justin's podcast, all of his <laughs> episodes and sign up for his newsletter. It's one of the best in the business. Yes. Revitalize. That is Vitalize.subset.com. Perfect. Thank you, Gail. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about us, head on over to Vitalize.vc. You can also follow us on Twitter at VitalizeVC, or you can follow me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.